welcome to episode 19 of the Whatnots Reactor Core. This is a podcast where we talk about hot, brand new entertainment, big blockbuster movies, uh, streaming shows that dropped all at once, anything we want to dive into and give you a full breakdown on the week it comes out. My name is Melissa Wilkinson, and I am joined by Kyle Springer. Hello, we nailed it. Third time is the charm. <laughs> Yeah, we've we've had some technical difficulties here, but I am excited to be here. Yeah, uh, this this one is a long time in the making. Yes, I'm I'm excited. We are talking about Artemis Fowl this mm-hmm. time. The uh, the brand new m- m- movie that just hit Disney Plus, uh, based off of a hit series of novels. And yeah, it's been like 20 years in the making. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to fill in the audience, this is a young adult fantasy book series. Came out like a couple years after Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And I, for one, picked up the first book. The year it came out, I was 10 years old. And in the back, there's a little ad that says, if you break this magic fairy code that appears in the book, you could win a role in the upcoming Artemis Fowl movie. So this has been promised since the book's debuted. 20 years ago and we've been waiting for this movie for 20 years and the properties have changed hands and it ended up in development hell and it was supposed to come out like last may it's gotten delayed twice and now finally yeah (laughs) right a lot of things have happened and then finally disney was like okay uh this is a streaming service thing we'll just put it on disney plus which uh, is good for me, I suppose, because this means I just get to watch it over and over again in the privacy of my own home as yeah. an adult nerd who should have had this movie when I was actually the same age as the characters in the book, but it didn't happen. There you go. So, fun fact, I have yes. never actually read Harry Potter by myself. Oh. Uh, I've okay. always had uh, 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 other people read it to me. Uh, same thing goes for Artemis Fowl. I've never actually read those books, like, myself. Um, I, when I was younger, that's something that my dad and I used to do, is we would just had a book, and he would read the book to me, um, and we would do, like, a chapter or two each night or something, um, and we've, we've read most of the Artemis Fowl books. It's been years since we've read one of them, um. But I think we made it to like the fourth or fifth one, so it, it it was good. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I have. Re- there are eight books in the series. The last one came out in two thousand twelve. I have read all of them, uh, especially the early ones. I have read multiple times, <laughs> and I'm in the middle of rereading the series now. I'm like partway through book five, so this okay. is all. Uh, I know an obnoxious amount of details about this. Good. Because as much as I am a fan of this yeah. series, I don't remember much of what actually mm. happened in in these books. So that'll be helpful. Um, but we're here to t- talk mainly about the movie. Yes. And all of that stuff. So uh, we'll do what we normally do, do our general thoughts and all of that stuff. And then we'll do some housekeeping and get mm-hmm. into spoilers. So Melissa, now that we have finally seen the movie what what are your thoughts did did you like it 
I I did like it. It takes a lot of departures from the book, but it's all does. I I understand the departures it takes making this book into a movie, first of all, is challenging enough and making it for a completely different audience two decades after it was written is also a challenge. Uh, but I, I see what the movie's trying to do and there's a lot of little details in it that I do appreciate that are pulled directly from the books. Like it's, it was a fun time. I've watched it twice. It's not everything I hoped and dreamt it would be, but I'm just very happy it exists at all. I'm happy to have this instead of no movie at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I'm in a similar boat, but mm. I didn't like it as much. <laughs> it it yeah, it's kind of what I expected though. Like I I d- mm. didn't expect it to be amazing, uh but then I kind of forced myself to set my expectations l- lower. Uh, when I saw a review on it, I, th- I think it was IGN, they gave it a four and I was just like, oh, okay, well, it's not, it's not <laughs> excellent. I don't, I don't know if it's a four. I might put it at like a, a six, seven yeah, well, I I don't know about that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I lowered my expectations on and then going mm. in, I felt a lot better prepared of just like oh yeah like it's it's not a great movie by any means but Mm. i still had fun because i got to watch this movie based off of a book that i really enjoyed when i was a kid uh and i I think the word that i would use to describe it is cute if that makes sense like i can see that yeah it's yeah i mean i yes you could say it's more for like younger boys than maybe it is for younger girls so yeah cute might not be the word you want to use to describe it in that sense but i think yeah when 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 you just look at it in hindsight and just like what is happening and the friendships that are made and stuff Mm -hmm. it's like oh yeah this is nice this is cute yeah the movie's got a good heart to it even if a lot of the relationships are different and there's a lot of character development that's off or that feels weird because they're trying to put some that's more than just like the first book like they're trying to put some development from later books into this yeah, movie the thought. movie's also only 95 minutes long and it does feel kind of frantic trying to fit so much into 95 mm-hmm. minutes mm-hmm. so yeah don't don't expect g- greatness but it's, it's good yeah, it is pop, pleasant. Popcorn flick. Yeah, yeah, it's a pleasant film. So there you go. Uh, synopsis. Let's do a synopsis of the movie. Just a short one for people who might have not uh, checked it out yet and are still yeah. on the fence. Uh, the movie takes place in Ireland, and there is a 12-year-old boy named Artemis Fowl II, he comes from uh, like a, a very rich family, and his father, Artemis Fell the first, is like an antiques dealer and like an art curator. And his dad uh, teaches him all about the fairy world, all of the old fairy legends and like Celtic mythology. And his dad goes away on a business trip and doesn't come back. 
And then Artemis sees this news broadcast that's like, well, we've found the remnants of Artemis Fowl's boat, his mega yacht, and it's led us to this and this. And we found out that it looks like he's been stealing art throughout his entire career. And the little Artemis is like, my dad's not a criminal. My dad's a good guy. And he uncovers that fairies are real. Fairies have always been real. And going back through the generations, the Fowls have been the human protectors of various fairy relics and his dad had some mysterious fairy relic called the aculos that now these uh bad fairies are after and so he has to like fortify his mansion from all of these fairy forces that are going to converge on him and try and steal this back there you go indeed um yeah, so it's 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 a good little action adventure. Yeah, Hovi. Um, there's not very many big set pieces. It kind of all just takes place in the foul manner. There's a few yeah. like CGI sets. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a big movie. No. It's actually kind of small. So mm-hmm. there you there you go. Um, yeah, I. I think we should get into housekeeping and then mm-hmm. move on to spoilers and start b- b- breaking the plot down a little, mm-hmm. little bit more and talking about it. Uh, so if you guys did not know, here at The Whatnots, we have multiple podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys can find out more information on our website, thewhatnots.com, as well as your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Uh, if you guys like what we do, patreon.com slash thewhatnots is where you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we do this show periodically, it's not a regular sh- show. You yeah. might not have noticed, but uh, we actually took a week o- o- off here at the Whatnots because of the Black Lives Matter protests mm-hmm. uh, going on in the United States as well as around the world. Um, and we have decided to donate all of our Patreon money this month to the ACLU. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you want to join us in that, you can join us on Patreon. Uh, once again, that's patreon.com slash the whatnots. However, if you would like to donate uh, directly and you don't want to join our Patreon, that is absolutely A-OK too, because after all, it is not about us here at the whatnots um we want their voices to kind of be uplifted and that's why we took that week off so if you want to donate uh we would love to get a receipt of your uh of your donation just like a screenshot or something so we can see and then uh at the end of the month we'll total it all up and see how much we raised that'd be Mm -hmm. good that'd be fun uh, let's see. That being said, you can get all kinds of episodes early on our Patreon. You can get all kinds of bonus content. In fact, we just started putting up uh, some Patreon exclusive content from the re- from the Reactor Core uh, here. Melissa, you and I just watched a bunch of movie trailers from the '90s and reacted to those, and that was a lot of fun and we have some more of those coming down the road as well so good stuff be on the lookout mm-hmm. for that uh last but not least we'd like to give a big shout out to our patreon supporters yeah. at the five dollar tier so thank you sam for helping us out and keeping the mics on we appreciate that a lot thank you it means a lot for sure so 
Okay, house has been kept. Let's see mm-hmm. if we can get into spoilers here. There we go. Spoiler graphic. We have gotten work. into it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it working. works unless you tell me. I what I need to do is figure out how to uh, make like a, cu- a custom. I don't even know what you call it. I guess audio device on my computer i know you can i just haven't looked into it yet on a windows thing where i can basically route all of my desktop audio to you that way so you can hear all the jingles you can hear all the spoiler stuff or if i'm playing the trailer or something in the background you can hear it too we'll we'll figure it out down the road maybe this mm-hmm. next week that's what we do <laughs> um but yeah spoilers so let's start let's start uh i guess at the very beginning of the movie which is mm. actually kind of the end of the movie <laughs> yeah it kind of loops around the first thing we see in the movie are all of these news reporters converging on foul manor mm-hmm. talking about how artemis foul the first was found to be this criminal he's attached to this uh, band of all these secret conspiracies to like steal all these artifacts and art pieces from throughout history. And we see the law enforcement taking away Mulch Diggums as we will come to know him. Who's a very prevalent character in the books. Yep. Very much. (laughs) And then we, he was, he was always one of my favorite characters. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. This is a, a different take on Mulch than in the books, but I, I still enjoyed it, and it's played very consistently. It's a nice performance that Josh Gad gives in this movie. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I liked him as much, but it was more so because of his voice. There was something that was just like overly cartoonish. <laughs> it, it was this like raspy voice, which I didn't mind as much. Mm. Um, but then he he does this weird thing with the volume of his voice where it seems like he's screaming the entire t- time. <laughs> he does. And it's just like, this is a little weird. Um, raspy screaming. Yeah, but he's he's also the narrator, which yes. is why I was also just like, this seems like a weird choice. It's like this overly raspy, cartoonish voice, and he's the narrator? Like that, I don't know if I he like is that. An, but. He is an odd choice out of all the characters to be the narrator. Yeah, like I feel, I I feel like the butler would have been a better choice to narrate it, but maybe not. Oh, I feel I like know. the 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 movie is served well by there being a narrator because the books have sure, yeah. it's just heard in this like it's told in this like third person omniscient uh, style, and there is a lot of information and a lot of backstory and a lot of jokes packed into just the way. Owen Colfer writes the books, things that are yeah. outside of character dialogue and internal monologue and all that. So I understand this movie needed a narrator. But yeah, Mulch would have not have been my... He serves it well enough, but I, I do think about, like, what if Artie was narrating it? What if Butler did? What if Holly did? Yeah. And what if there was just, like, an omnipotent narrator, like it's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or something? Yeah, something like that, I think, would have worked well, but Besides that, I, th- I thought Mulch was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said in the book, he's a little bit different. I think he, in, in the book, he actually is more of a dwarf. Like I, I never pictured him as a like human-like 
human looking character. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, this movie has the books have a large cast of fantastical characters like elves and dwarves and fairies and there's mm-hmm. a centaur uh and it, it it is interesting to see how they are translated to the film. When we get eventually to the underground fairy city, there's a big variety. There's entirely CGI creations of like these little imps. There's uh, actors that have like CGI over them, like with those goblins where you can tell that's, it seems like there's somebody underneath that in like a mocap suit or whatever. And then yeah. there's a lot of just like humans with prosthetics on. It's a yep. little bit of everything, and I did kind of appreciate that, that it wasn't all, like, a, an entirely CGI creation, that we had some just good old stick-on pointy ears to rely on. <laughs> but yeah, some of them do look, like, almost a little bit too, like, too human. Yeah. <laughs> in particular, like, it, they cast a lot of little people to play the dwarves, and that it's just regular Josh Gad, however tall he is. And they make this joke that he's, like, weirdly tall for a dwarf like he's this like uh he's got this medical condition where he's too tall and none of the other dwarves accept him and he wishes he was shorter and he's like i'm just like three feet taller than i need i don't like this yeah he kept saying he was like dwarfish giganticus yeah or or, or something so it it was just like okay i don't remember if that's in the book it might be something where it's like mulch is a whole Two inches taller than most other dwarves. Like, it is not exactly like that in the books. And I could tell that Kenneth Branagh just worked with Josh Gad before and was like, I want him back. I'm going to bend a lot of stuff to get Josh Gad in this. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. um, Mulch Diggums gets arrested. Um, He is brought to this kind of solitary confinement prison. Uh, where he is interrogated by all of these cameras, he's not sure, and we are mm-hmm. not sure who is talking to 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 him uh, in this movie. And they are a- asking, uh, you know, about the fowls and who they are and the fairies and all of that stuff. And they don't really, really believe in all of that stuff. And he's just sitting there like, "It's not me. You need to look out for. <laughs> it's it's." Artemis Fowl, and it's not the father either. It's the kid. Yeah, yeah. You know, like everybody thinks the father is this criminal mastermind, and he is. But for this specific plot that Moltz is being investigated for, it's like, oh no, you need to talk to the twelve-year-old boy. Now, remind me this: in the first book, uh-huh. is the father still alive? Is he still there? Or because I, I seem to remember that we thought the father was dead in the first yeah. book okay see this is how the book's plot goes because the movie takes the, the basic framework of it but changes a lot of the details in the book uh artemis knows that his family has a criminal past right. like the fowls have always been like just legitimate enough to avoid any kind of persecution from the law or anything like that mm-hmm. they've always had like secret shady dealings And his dad is considering going straight. And he's like, I'm going to do one last criminal mission and that's it. Then I'm going to come back and the fowls are going to be like real legitimate business people. And Artemis Jr. uh, in the book, (laughs) in the book, his mom calls him Artie and calls his dad Timmy to tell them apart. So (laughs) Artemis, uh, he's really embraced his family's criminal history and he's kind of dreading like, oh, I have to stop stealing and forging things. Oh, I don't want to do that. 
And while his dad is off on this final criminal mission, his ship sinks and he's and he goes missing. And Artemis holds out hope. It's like, no, that wouldn't have killed my dad. I believe in my dad. I know he's got to be somewhere. Maybe somebody kidnapped him and is playing the long game. They just haven't contacted us for ransom yet. And everybody else is like, he's dead. He's dead. And you have to move on. And then with him out of the way, like the family's finances are suffering. Uh, Artemis's mom, Angeline, goes into this depressive state. She's like locked in her room all day, sleeping, crying, going through these uh, mental breakdown fits where she forgets where she is. She looks at Artemis and thinks it's like, oh, that it's like her husband back when they were young, or she looks at Artemis and thinks he's his grandpa. She's really lost in, in time. And yeah. so she's the only adult Artemis has left in his life, and he feels like he can't count on her because she's so ill, and it's just him and Butler. And in the books, it is it is his butler. That is his bodyguard. In the movies, it's like that's his dad's bodyguard and confidant and second in command who then takes care of Artemis when his dad goes off on these missions. Yeah. But yeah, so Artemis, the family, he needs to find his dad. The family finances are in ruin. And then he hatches the plan. He finds out, he stumbles onto like the fairy lore and he gets deeper into it and he realizes it's real. Everything is real. And then he hatches the plan to, if I can kidnap a member of the fairy law enforcement when they are above ground on a mission, I can ransom them and the fairy police will give me all of this gold and I can use that gold to fund a rescue mission to find my father. That's the kickoff point for the first book. Okay. Yeah. Um, And we'll we'll get into a couple of details of the second book in a little Mm. bit, I'm sure. Um, But yeah, so... Mulch is like, hey, you need to watch out for that kid. Yeah. He's, he's the smart one, uh, which is then when we meet Artemis Fowl mm. in, 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 in here. What did you think of his performance? I think it's a decent performance. This is a very different Artemis from the books in the movie. And I understand why they did this. He's more <laughs> of a normal 12-year-old boy who happens to be very, very smart. And in the books, he's like... Uh, an incredible genius to the point where he can't really relate to other people. And he's been raised in this like rich criminal family. So like he's, he's very sharp. Give us a little bit of that in that like school thing. Yeah. But yeah, it it, like his performance came off to me as more robotic than it was like, I'm so much better than everyone in this room. And I am also in, evil criminal genius right we're seeing like i'm a 12 year old and i'm smarter than you this is not fun right yeah in the in the books he's already a criminal genius so he's that going for him he's also like uh here in the movie this is an artemis that wears like a t-shirt and a hoodie he goes surfing uh in the ocean outside (laughs) the foul manor he's riding like this sort of skateboard type device through the woods and in the book, Artemis is always wearing a designer tailored Armani suit. He never does anything physical. Like he just hides inside and just studies and does experiments all the time. And he's just this like 
prissy, fussy, standoffish, sharp little child man he's, he's, who he's can't the, relate to anybody. He's the criminal mastermind that knows not to do his his own dirty work. Yes. And just like, I'll have someone else do it or I'll manipulate them so that they do what I want them to do. And this one, yeah, he's he's a lot more like a kid. Just yes. like what, what you would expect a, a kid to be. And I understand that, that somebody looked at this book and was like, this is very hard for an audience to identify with. Can we normal this up, please? Can he wear a t-shirt and do a sport? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we see... Artemis's father go on his next criminal mission or I guess mm -hmm. we don't know exactly what he was just like I have to go for work and all that yeah. stuff uh and then mm -hmm. his helicopter crashes uh and his father disappears um and so it, it, it is a whole similar thing of like is his father still alive we don't know exactly yet uh, mm -hmm. But very quickly, we come to find out that uh, his father has actually been kidnapped uh, by the fairies, by a fairy by the name of Opal. I don't remember the last name. Opal Cowboy, who is one of the Opal big Cowboy. threats in the book series. She's the villain of like three different books. Oh, boy, it's Cowboy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. Yeah, so... His father is captured, uh, mm. and then Opal makes a call to the Foul Manor, uh, in which Artemis picks up, and he's like, "Hello, I have your father," and he and he he's like, "Well, I have a very particular set of skills, and I I I will find you, and I will <laughs> no." <laughs> he's just a boy. He's just like, "Who are you? What's going on? Where's my dad? Can I talk to How my dad?" How did you get this number? Whereas in the book, he would have everything recorded. He would he's probably got a degree in negotiation tactics. Yeah, he he would have he he would somehow have software to mm. to like uh get rid of all of the voice modulation and changing and stuff like that and he would be like, "I know exactly who you are, Opal Cowboy." And he's like, yes. "How did you know?" Um, mm. No, it's not that hazy, but still um yeah so that that kind of sets us off on the adventure of how does artemis save his father mm -hmm. um uh, and i want to mention that in the movie his mom is mysteriously dead this is something yeah. like the first time we meet artemis he's like talking to like the school counselor and the counselor's trying to like get through to him like we hear you're really arrogant and you're hard to deal with in classes and the therapist is trying to reach him at his own level and artemis is just sitting there like that chair you you're sitting in that you told me was an antique that's a fake i can tell i know what a forgery is <laughs> so but the therapist mentions like your mother was a fine woman and taken from you far too soon like we, we don't know how she it's died I, I feel like it's one of those things where they were just, just like, she's kind of a non-character anyways. What if we mm. just, you know, don't include her? Y yeah, like, yeah, and it's that, not... That makes sense. Yeah, I kind of get it. Like, the role the mom plays in the first book, because of the changes they made to the plot, that role kind of disappears. It doesn't serve the same mm -hmm. purpose anymore. It's harder to set up. 
Because in the book, you know, the dad's already been missing for two years. And if they wanted to tell a story where the dad just disappears and we see this happening in artists in real time, you're not going to get that same characterization out of the mom. I get that there's a lot of other things that they wanted to prioritize in the movie. And she's she says one sentence and then she's dead, which I guess I kind of appreciate more than like if they tried to do more with it, like, oh, your mother. Like if they talked about her more, I feel like it mm-hmm. would have been more glaring that she's just a non-entity. Yeah. Or or just odd of like, well, why do you keep mentioning her? Is she dead? I don't mm-hmm. know. You know? I was wondering if we were going to learn something later in the book, like, oh, and your mom was up with fairy technology also. She's been in on this whole thing. Your mom's off on a a research mission or something, and then we thought we lost her. And then it turns out, oh, she's she's like, I finally escaped from Atlantis. Guys, I'm back. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so Artemis has to figure out where his dad is and see if he can rescue him. He does this by basically remembering uh, this, like, bedtime poem that his <laughs> dad used to tell him all the t- t- time. <laughs> uh, the Irish Blessing. Is is that Which, a real thing? Is, it is. is a, it oh, is. Okay. Yeah. May the rose ride up, rise up to... May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be ever at your back. This is a real you know, Irish blessing I've heard dozens and dozens of times throughout my life. So on one hand, I kind of appreciate that they did pick something. This is a very Irish movie, right? I was watching this last night with a friend and she's like, oh, normally if a story is not in America, it's in England. I don't think I've ever seen a young adult story set in Ireland like this. So that makes it kind of unique. But to focus, I feel like this Irish blessing is such a almost stereotypical thing that it's the equivalent of if the story was set in America and the clues were hidden in, oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam. <laughs> like, it's almost like That's too neat of a pick. <laughs> but yeah, oh, before, man. like his dad would like uh, tell him the Irish blessing every night before bed. And then when Butler leads Artemis down into his dad's secret lair of like fairy technology and artifacts and studies and stuff, Artemis somehow like uses that, blessing he uses that little poem and he like looks at like the library shelves around the wall and he's able to like pinpoint what it is he's looking for like oh dad wanted me to find the journal he had the clues to the journal in the poem da, 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 there it is like we don't exactly see his thought process like this is sherlock holmes or something so i'm mm-hmm. not entirely sure how he arrived at that conclusion but i do appreciate that the movie's like no we're not going to stop and spend time on that just trust us he's smart and he figured out a puzzle like, okay, yeah. Which, I, I buy it. I, yeah, I buy it. But on the other hand, like, that was one of the things I loved so much about the books mm. is that he was this genius and him figuring these things out was not necessarily instantaneous, but you got to mm. see how he arrived at that stuff. Or or he would say, like, he had a plan and then it was, like, watching his plan unfold was was the whole thing. And I don't feel like this movie really did a good job of diving into that and yeah. stuff like that. Of just like explaining that this kid is actually a genius. Mm-hmm. Um, it, instead, it was just like, trust us, he's a genius, but we're not going to really show you. 
Right. There's a neat part in the books where Artemis gets a hold of like the fairy Bible, essentially. It's like Mm -hmm. this little book that every fairy carries around with them that is their history, you know, their virtues, their rituals, all of that. And it's written in this fairy language. And there's a scene in the book where he's trying to figure out how to translate the language and he's figured out the characters, but he can't figure out how to actually read the book. And he's like, okay, right to left isn't working, left to right, up and you know, vertically. He's trying everything and he stares at it and he's like, wait a second. And he, instead of doing it on the computer, he prints the page out and he starts cutting like lines out with an exacto knife and rearranging them because he's mm-hmm. figured out, I think the text goes in a spiral. <laughs> I can't configure my computer to read that because no human language reads like that. Let me stop and do this with my hands and lay this out for me. And then once I get it, then I can teach my computer how to read the code in a spiral. It's a really neat moment. And yeah, and here in the, in the movie, it's just sort of, uh, he figures this out. He, He gets it. Like we don't spend any time on like the research and the study and the like coming to terms with, Mm-hmm. like the puzzle solving and like the coming to terms with, okay, fairies are real. Uh, that's kind of throwing me for a loop. How do I use this now? Yeah. Even further down in the movie, like when when he has the plan to steal the Akalos thing, like he says he has a plan, but we never hear what that plan is. Is or like why he's doing these things. It's just, it just happens and it's just like, okay, I guess that was his plan. I don't understand why, but sure. That, yeah, there's that works. The movie glosses over a lot of points that I wish we did get to spend more time on. I wish it picked its detail breakdown scenes a little bit better. Mm hmm. Um, so yeah, he finds out fairies are real, which he kind of knew but didn't really believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then he he finds out all of that stuff is real, uh, and that's when he starts hatching his plan. So let's jump over to the fairy world mm. and start meeting and introducing yeah. some of those characters and stuff. We've already kind of talked about Mulch. Mm-hmm. Mulch. Diggums. Uh, he is also a criminal, though he would call himself an artist. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he uh, is a tunneler. Yes. Uh, what dwarves can do is that they can unhinge their jaws and eat the dirt and process the dirt and uh, basically fart it out the other end, any of the waste that they don't need. Yeah. They, they are human tunnelers. And this is preserved in the movie. And I appreciate that they didn't shy away from that. Later on, we watched Josh Gad unhinge his entire jaw, say, like, it's feeding time is what he says. It's feeding time. And then he dives into the ground and eats a bunch of dirt. And then it shoots out through, like, old time heart boxers. Yeah. Now, I will say that I did feel like him unhinging his jaw and diving in to make this channel was less of a joke than it is in the book. Um, mm. This was actually more scary uh, than I expected <laughs> it to look. Uh, it's such it's, a jarring, bizarre image. Yeah. And then and, and then they do this thing where he's in the tunnel and the like you, you like the camera is yeah. you the wall, like the end of the tunnel, and you just see him like chomping at you, but it's like dark and 
to yeah, dirty. You can't really headlamp. see much. Yeah, it's it's weird and it's scary. Um, I, I appreciated it. I'm glad they didn't shy away and try and make this normal. They're like, no, we're well, going to make this exactly not, as weird as it is in the book. It's not that it needs to be normal. It's that it it is this j- 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 joke that he farts it out, that he yeah, poops yeah. it out. And he has this butt flap on his outfit in in the in in the books. So half of the book, his his butt is just hanging out, and it's just like, oh, his butt's out. He's about to tunnel, you know. And it's it's just like it's this whole fart joke, and they don't make the fart joke with. I mean, they kind of do to do, but yeah, it is enough. Yeah, yeah, this is. Uh, taken down from the books quite a bit. But what I mean is that I I like that they kept it in at all and didn't make it mm-hmm. like he's just a regular tunneler. Like that guy in Atlantis, the Lost Empire, Mole. Yeah. You he's, remember he's there's like a tunneler like a p- character. A or a, yeah. Right. Like yeah. The real thing. Or... Yeah. I like that they didn't try and like clean it up to where it's like, oh no, yeah, he's just uh, good at digging, you know, with tools. Like, any other person like they kept they didn't go as far as the books did but they kept the fact like oh no he is you're gonna watch him unhinge his jaw several times it's going to look frightening we're gonna let it be as frightening and as jarring as it should be yeah it's it's true that that would be frightening but it's just Mm. like i i don't know man (laughs) this is a children's movie (laughs) <laughs> but yeah uh so we see him he has been arrested uh mm. he is being processed and put into jail uh it looks like he is being put into their supermax jail i forget what they called it's called it. howler's peak which is the jail in the books that's a detail that came directly from there good um yeah and he's he's just like oh, i've been here before i'll be out yeah, soon yeah. enough i'm down i'll be fine mm. uh Meanwhile, we also see Holly Short, who is my hero. Yeah, one one of, if not like the best characters in the, in the books. Harry's, uh, she is fantastic. Mm. Um, what did you think of Holly and uh, her performance and the whole uh, fairies and their technology and stuff like that? I like Holly. She does have a very different feel to her from the book because uh, they changed the context of her character. In the book, she works for the Lower Elements Police Reconnaissance Team, or LEP Recon is the joke Lep-recon. in the book. Yeah. And she's the only girl on the team. Like, Which is it, actually it like a b- brilliant move. It's like, oh, Leprechaun. Yeah, yeah, I get right? it. It's like, that's but, good. I like that. <laughs> I feel like Owen Colfer wrote that joke and then wrote the rest of the series yeah, around and it. wrote the book after that. <laughs> right, but she's, like, really dedicated to her job. Like, she loves, like, the action and the thrills of it, but also has a real dedication to protecting people, making sure people are safe, following the the feeling of the law, not the letter of the law. Like she's been a rule breaker. She's been a rule bender, but it's always to the point of, look, I do whatever I need to, to keep everyone around me as safe as possible. If my commanding officer tells me, no, it's too dangerous. Don't go into that situation. I'm still going to disobey orders and go in there. If I believe I can help somebody. And she's like the only girl in this boys club of this law enforcement team. She's trying to break through. Like she's trying to get noticed. And in, in the movie, 
it, the, the team's much more diversified, which is good, but it takes away that whole element of her character. She's just sort of like another officer. And they add on this entirely new backstory for her that her father, Beechwood Short, centuries ago stole the Aculos, this prized fairy artifact, took it uh, up to earth up to you know the ground level where we live and gave it to the humans and like sort of betrayed everybody and this is kind of the conflict she's dealing with in her professional career now yeah yeah she's uh she 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 also kind of seemed like they were making her a little bit more normal a little bit more kid friendly yeah because yeah. um, who who was the actress that played her i think it was lara something let's see holly short lara mcdonald mm. um in in this role i i i don't know if they did much to adjust her height of like how t t tall she mm. actually is um but yeah, she she does seem like she is more g girlish if that makes yes. sense like she she not 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 in a like more feminine way, but just mm -hmm. like she is more of a kid. If, yeah, if that makes sense. Um, I, I, I don't know. Is how old is Laura McDonald? Does IMDb say here? Let's see. I'd, I'd be curious Laura to McDonald. know, because Holly, um, uh, Commander Root no. mentions to Holly, "You're 84. You're young." <laughs> yeah. Well, so Harrys live a long time. Yeah. Because it's uh, Commander Root who is her. Mm -hmm. Mm. boss right who's like i'm like 804 or something yeah I forget yeah what she, she says but but yeah she has this like childlike face with mm. these really garlish features and it does put her on par more with artemis so i liked that yeah i appreciated that in the books it's a little vaguer it seems like maybe holly's supposed to be the equivalent of being like college age maybe in the movie she, I, you look at her and she seems like she's 16 or something and artemis is 12 you're right that does kind of close this gap between the two of them and make them more peers which is yeah. something that they eventually come to in the book through all of this strife and disaster and fighting and saving each other yeah the movie does a lot to put them more on each other's level it makes her younger and giving her this new backstory with her dad makes her a very neat mirror to Artemis that both of them are dealing with these parental legacies and they don't know yeah. how to handle them. Yeah, oddly enough, I hadn't seen the movie uh, that I'm about to mention when I first read these uh -huh. books. But in my mind, I always like oddly kind of pictured her as like a John McClane from Die Hard type of character <laughs> but she she is just more of this like every day like uh, yeah i'm a cop but i'm like taking like i will take the extra steps necessary to actually keep people mm. sa safe and st and stuff like that and she you know will go the extra mile, 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 mile but was still the action yeah. hero which in this one she's a lot less of the action hero mm. She is more of a kid and is still figuring things out and is like wanting her peers to notice her and, and stuff like that. Notice me, senpai. <laughs> um, 
There's a bit later in the movie where her her like mechanical wings that she has as part of her flight suit get stuck in a chandelier in foul manner. And it's during this big action scene and it keeps cutting her. And she's like, my wings are stuck. Help me. Somebody help me. And like in the books, Holly would figure her own way out of this uh, yeah, problem. Yeah, she'd just like use her g- g- gun or she'd, right. she'd like taunt the, the troll to come mm. knock the thing so it snaps and, you know... Um, yeah, so I I mean, despite that one scene, I I didn't really feel like they damseled her, or like damsel in distress. Yeah, yeah. Um, like she 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 was competent. She mm-hmm. did know how to do all that stuff. But that scene in particular, I feel like everyone was kind of damseled in distress. Like yeah, no one yeah. knew what to do or how to fight this thing. They were mm-hmm. all just like, I hope this works. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll I like that. this Holly, but I miss some of her scrappiness that she has her in spunk. the books. Yeah, yeah. So good stuff for her, though. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mentioned Commander Root, who is like the leader of the police, uh, yeah. the leprechaun uh, horse there. Uh, I, I I don't really have much to say about her performance. I thought it was good. That was yeah. kind of exactly what I expected. Yeah, this is uh, in the book. This is <clears throat> in the book. This is a male character oh. who kind of represents like didn't remember that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Commander Julius Root, who's like what the public expects. That He's like this grizzled old police chief. And like he sees the potential in Holly and he's like, mm-hmm. you know, I believe in you, kid. But as the one girl on the team, you got to work harder and better than anybody else to prove yourself. But I'm on your side, but I'm going to give you tough love. Like that's who he is in the book. And the characterization is similar enough in the movie, but it's played by Judy Dench, yeah. which is neat. She's growling the entire time. You were talking about what Josh Gad is doing to his voice. Judy Dench is, she's talking like this. Well, and okay, fairy team, we're going above ground. There's that that one scene. I I, th- I think it's her and Mulch, yeah. right? Where they're 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 talking, and he he's he says something along the, the lines of like, "But do we have to do it this way? Where we're just grunting at one another?" And she, <laughs> she, her her response is just. Ugh. <laughs> there's a there's a line I really appreciate in that scene with them later in the books. Uh, Mulch has no as- respect for authority, and he's yeah. the one person who always calls Commander Root Julius. Commander Root hates it, but can't get him to stop. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit where Mulch is talking to Root in this movie, and he says, uh, "Oh, where is this?" He's trying to like get on her good side and he's like, Commander Root, do you mind if I call you? Actually, I don't know what your first name is. Like he's trying to do the same thing he would do in the book. <laughs> but in this, because, you know, they changed the role. It's like, oh, I don't imagine Ju- <laughs> Judy Dench's name is Julius anymore, but they don't tell us what could it be. is now. Right. Could, could be, be Julia. Yeah. Yeah. Like they don't tell us. <laughs> I like this nod to the original source material combined with a yeah. nod to look at how we've changed it. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I like I like that joke better than if he did start calling her Julia or something. Yeah. Now, uh, why am I blanking on the name? Who The centaurs. Foley. Name. Foley. That's Another right. one of like the best characters in the book. Yeah. Um, Foley was good. Some of the a- 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 animation was a little bit strange, I mm. thought. But then I like it's 
one of those hard things to think about where you're just like, well, if centaurs actually did exist, how would they move? Like, what would they look like when they <laughs> yeah. run? And you're just like, I actually don't know. So I'm, I'll just let it slide. Yeah, you did um, as good of a job as anyone can. Yeah. Uh, I like this Foley. Foley's a character who's not described physically very well. It's just like, yeah, he's a centaur. Well, like we don't know what he looks like. We don't know what he's wearing. So it's this guy with like his like half his head is shaved and the other half is like this long yeah, he has straight like a hair mohawk, like a mane. But it's super super long that it yeah. looks like it's just falling down. And he's wearing this like side. crisp uniform coat and he's like prancing around the circle of holograms like he also has Iron a skirt Man. On, I, th- I think yeah, most of like some sort time. of a kilt in the front. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Like it's all this very cool polished looking setup if horses in the movie. Could wear pants. How would horses wear pants? Would it I only come be on here to the answer back this two today. legs or on all four legs? <laughs> 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 so it's, it sticks with a kilt. Uh, da- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the simplest answer: the Occam's razor. Yeah. No pants. The centaurs. The- Kilt. <laughs> yeah, in the books, uh, Foley is literally the guy in the chair figure, and yep. I was so disappointed that this movie did not show me what a centaur chair looks like. <laughs> Just him trying to sit in one. God, like he's and it's like a wheelie office chair. I'm like, show me what that looks like for a centaur, please. Oh, that would have been I've great. Ever wanted, right? Like the way he is that in the books, amazing. In in the in the movies, it's like yeah, there's Foley. He's a genius. He built all this stuff, and he's just sort mm-hmm. of at uh, Commander Root's right hand, like feeding her all of this techno information. And in the books, it's like no, he's like a genius on the level of Artemis Fowl for the fairy community, and he's also like just pretentious and a jerk and really sarcastic and really snarky and like nobody really likes working with him but they can't get rid of him because he's programmed everything yeah in the books he's more of like a dennis nedry from jurassic park character sure yeah (laughs) and that's kind of what i was expecting like he's like i'm wearing a hawaiian shirt because nobody can stop me you know my console's (laughs) covered with snacks i just have this little office where nobody can bother me and i don't bother anybody it's all like screens and wires and junk food and like holly and him are both kind of misfits on the team so they're best friends with each other even if they don't really connect to other people i love him in the books and i like him in the movie too but it is more like He's just like, yeah, I'm just another smart person on a team. He, yeah, he was their like IT person in mm. this, and he just seems like an IT person, but not like the sleazy IT person. So the whole thing with the fairies is they they have like super high tech, like yes, their 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 technology is, uh, you know, years and years more advanced than human technology, and so I think with Foley specifically, we kind of see that where he is this much more sleek, suave character mm-hmm. for an IT guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really pretty movie. Like, I like the designs of everything, but it mm-hmm. is almost too shiny and glossy and good. Because in the books, all of this technology exists. But there's also a lot of bureaucracy and red tape that the the fairy law enforcement is dealing with to where like, yeah, that stuff exists, but our team doesn't have it. Our team has got like two or three generations back in the equipment with something old that we have to like 
clean up and try and use again. Like everything yeah. in the books is really like it's kind of makeshift and scrappy and like, okay, this isn't the top of the line stuff, but it's got Foley's tech in it and we can make it work. And he can like, I've got him on my <laughs> helmet intercom. He can talk me through like MacGyvering this thing into being what I need it to be. And like everything in the movie, it's like, yeah, everything is perfect and shiny and new and it works as expected. Yeah. Um. So he, like we said, he is their tech g- guy. Hmm. Holly is sent on a mission to kind of investigate some weird occurrence that is happening up on Earth. T- turns out it's a troll. This is where we are kind of introduced uh, also to Foley's tech. They have this mm. like time-stopping technology that puts everything in this bubble. It stops time in that bu- 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 bubble. And when that bubble uh, is d- 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 done, time like speeds up. In, mm-hmm. in in that sense, um, we, we don't really get to see it at this w- yeah. wedding party that Holly is investigating. But when we see it later on uh, at the Fowl Manor, we do see like the day and night cycle uh, ha- happen really fa- fast when they take it down because it has to catch up with mm-hmm. with a- 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 everything else. Um, yeah, this is not exactly how the time stops work in the book, uh, but I appreciate that they were in here at all. And it is kind yeah. of a neat sequence. Like I was watching this with a friend who read one of the books once when we were in middle school. So she's like, I have kind of a sense of what everything was, but she really didn't remember it. And mm-hmm. so I'm getting this outside perspective of like, oh, this is you know, like the Quicksilver scenes in the X-Men movies. Yeah. These are yeah. fun. This is cool to look at. and. Yeah, that, that, that was a neat, neat scene. Mm. Indeed. Uh, but yeah, so then that kind of introduces us to that side of things. Then we cu- 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 cut back to Artemis Fowl, uh, who is preparing his plan and all of that stuff. Um, and he is now wanting to capture a fairy to see if he can figure out where this Aculos is or to see if like, hey, if I kidnap you maybe i can trade you back for the aculos or stuff like that Mm. uh and they end up capturing holly short Mm. uh who was supposed to be going back to fairyland i don't remember the name of haven city City. haven city nailed it the first time um (laughs) and they end up capturing her and from what i remember in the books um Mm. Holly being captured kind of was the start of the first book, if I remember correctly. Or that was like the big event of of like someone is captured and in jail. Like, I don't really remember Mulch being in jail. Like that scene where he's in jail, he's tied up, all that stuff. I remember that being Holly in the book. Okay. Uh, In the books, so Artemis has figured out He's gotten a, a copy of this fairy book, even though his fairies are real. And mm-hmm. if you kidnap one of them, you get this gold ransom. And he figures out that fairies have magic, but they need to replenish their magic with a ritual. It's like, okay, you plant an acorn from an oak tree at like a bend in a river on a full moon. You plant it, you like say a poem. It's the poem that she says later on when she does activate the aculos. So I'm glad even if gotcha. the context is different, that still got in there. Gotcha. And this replenishes your power. So Artemis has figured out, like, geographically, this is a place where a fairy would go and, like, commit 
the ritual. Like, let's hide out there in like, you know, the uh, haunting bunker and let's just kidnap the first fairy who shows up. And it happens to be Holly who, like in the movie, she's just finished this troll mission. And in the book, she's going there to complete the ritual and like re-up on her magic. And in the movie, it's she's like, well, this is the last place my dad was before he died. I, I'm taking this opportunity now, centuries later, to go try and clear my dad's name. <laughs> yeah, so in the books, that is Artemis's goal. He's like, I am going to kidnap a fairy. And then he's got her ra- holding her for ransom inside Foul Manor. He's got like mm-hmm. a little jail cell for her. He's built in the basement. And then yeah. like it's the rest of lap recon who's like set up a time they've put the manor in a time stop which doesn't freeze everything like quicksilver it makes sure that everything within the bubble is slowed way down uh and here there's something where like they can only like they can't be out at dawn like they can't do it until dawn like they, they have to do everything at night so they put this time stop up so that lets them have like 12 hours of night like we are making midnight to 5 a.m. last the entire day so that we have all of this time to do it. And then outside the bubble, like, oh, everything's going real slow. And then that's where they bring in Malt because they're like, okay, we can't figure out how to penetrate Foul Manor. Malt, you can dig underneath. You can sneak in there and get it. Also, there's a fairy rule where you can't enter uh, like vampires. Yes, yeah, you can't enter another domicile unless you've been invited. If you are, if you do try and do that, you like, you get sick and you sacrifice your magic because it's part of ancient fairy law. And Mulch, being a thief, did that decades ago. He's like, yeah, I don't care. It's fine if I don't have magic. I just want to sneak in places. So that's why they bring Mulch in. Like, you have nothing to lose. And like, we'll offer you time off your sentence. Tunnel in there. Find stuff out for us. Yeah. So Mulch tunnels in. Uh, and he, he is, he's meant to go steal, well, he, it's, see, this is one of those things that they kind of glossed over that Mm -hmm. I was just like, I don't necessarily understand what Artemis' plan is exactly. Yeah. He had Holly Short kidnapped, uh, so that he could get the fairies to come negotiate so that he could trade her for the Aculos. However... Unbeknownst to us, we still don't know where the Acu- the Aculos is, but it seems like a- 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 Artemis does. Mm. We also know that the fairies don't know where it is. Uh, I think there was a line earlier on in the film that it's been lost for centuries and yeah. stuff like that. So <laughs> The Aculos mulch- in the... Mm? Oh, c- 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 no, I just wanted to say that like the Aculos in the movie is like a textbook MacGuffin. It's sure, just yeah. a thing everybody is after. It's not anything in the book. It might be something that's mentioned in like the last couple books that I haven't read as often. Like I've only read once or twice in my life. The first couple books I've read over and over again, like since I was 12. Yeah. That's not in there. It is not a thing. It seems like they might have just invented a MacGuffin for the movie. So I didn't. I honestly didn't pay attention to tracking it that closely because I recognized it as like, eh, it's just a, a plot device to move things along. Yeah. I want to pay attention to all the characters. I don't care what they're doing because I know it's not anything I recognize. <laughs> so Mulch Diggums makes his way into Fowl mm-hmm. Manor. It seems like he's there to break Holly out. But as mm-hmm. he's walking down, he's like, oh, this painting looks a little strange. Huh? That's mm-hmm. weird. And he opens it up, and it's a safe. 
uh, and then he picks this safe using what little magic he does have, and he uses his beard to, like, pick the lock and do all of that stuff, uh, and he opens it up, and he finds the Aculos. Mm. But this whole thing is taking a long time. It, it, you know, the fairies are getting impatient, all of that stuff. Uh, so they decide to send in their next weapon, which is mm. that giant troll uh, that we saw that we saw Holly uh, stop at the w- 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 wedding a few mm. scenes prior. Um, so they use this guy as a battering ram. They shoot him in the house, and he just causes chaos and may- mayhem in this. Um, we did already kind of mention that Holly gets stuck in a light. Her wedding gets stuck in there, but everyone is kind of helpless in this scene because this thing is just so big and so strong and so just clumsy that it is just chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, within this house, the one scene um, that uh, that m- actually made me laugh was it was in was right before this moment as they're watching this troll yeah. uh, like f- 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 fly in and um, <sighs> Holly is, is 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 like I'm gonna need my gun back and then Dom the butler starts like reaching into his back pocket to get to get the gun and he's just like it's not there and then we see mulch reach back right. into his pocket and he hands it to her because he's a thief in a big pocket that is the, the best like, joke in the movie it's <laughs> very much out of the books not exactly but yeah. like the spirit of it is yeah the books are that was so, so funny and I wish the movie was funnier. There's like uh, at that scene at the wedding. So they this troll shows up. It's about to attack everything. The leprechaun team like stops time. There's this giant like, you know, quicksilver battle. And then the leprechaun team is trying to like, put everything together before the time stop ends. But then it mm-hmm. ends and everybody in the wedding is like, well, everything, what, why is everything moved? Why is there stuff on my dress? Why is the furniture knocked over? And like we see one wedding guest turn to the other and say, what a strange wedding. And the other guy says, absolutely. And I'm like, that's not a joke. <laughs> like, couldn't if they have just looked at each other? Like, you could have accomplished this with a look. Why are they saying things we already know? Oh, the books are so yeah. witty. And I some, really some, miss some that. J- j- joke about, like, too much alcohol or did someone well, spike yeah, the yeah. punch? Something like, like that. How? It's I- a cliche joke, but it is a joke. Yeah. Like, that was just a non, non-joke. Yeah. But there are um, bits I like. I also like when uh, it's Butler that's staking out Holly and trying to kidnap her. And Artemis calls him over like the walkie-talkie. And he's like, anything to report? And Butler says, yes, I'm freezing. And Artemis just says, yeah. understood. <laughs> yeah. just keeps on going with all of his technical talk. <laughs> um, so, so, so something else that I kind of want to bring up now that we are talking about this uh, fight scene in the foul manor with the troll Juliet, the character of Juliet, mm. I, I have no idea why she was there in this entire movie. She was completely useless and did not need to be in, in this film. And I was just like, why is she here? She uh, she has a lot more to do in the books. I want to let's talk about the Butler I, family as a whole. 
I like I I kind of remember her from some of the books. I don't remember her that well, but like I I I know that she is a character, but it was just like why is she here in this one? Like she yeah. she just really does not need to be 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 here. Uh in the movie no she doesn't. I appreciated that she was included just because it's like some version of this character I remember from the book, even if like her circumstances are very different, there's enough of the Juliet spirit in there that I yeah. recognize and appreciate. So in the book, um, it's Butler. And this is a joke that didn't get into the movie. And I wish it did because it's so good. Like mm-hmm. this family is named the Butlers and they've been doing this bodyguard service for so long. This is where the term butler came from. The noun came from this yeah. family lineage that has been protecting and serving and like taking care of the very rich families and powerful families like for time in memoriam. This is why we have like a an answer the doorbell butler because for centuries we've had like big brutish I'm here yeah. to protect you and also help you run your household butlers yeah. they don't make the joke in the movie they just say like here's Domavoy butler do not call him the butler you could call him Dom or Domavoy and I'm like no you can't call him that because there's something in the books where it's like uh, the butlers if you have a butler they are known as butler like you do not know their right. first name. This is secret. And there's a part in the third book where he's like on his deathbed and Artemis is like saying like, oh, don't worry, old friend. Like, uh, I'm going to figure this out. And Butler, I'm going to get you out of this. And Butler's like, just call me Domavoy. And Artemis is like, oh, no, things must be really bad if he has told me his first name. So that knowledge is in there, but like they rarely use it. It's something that's only pulled out for like, really emotional moments so the fact that this movie's like yeah dom domavoy this is what we call him all the time like that didn't strike me very well because i'm like i liked how this worked in the book you could have made this work the same way in the movie yeah, it would have been so <laughs> much more interesting it was really it was really jarring um and also in the in the books butler is artemis's bodyguard and they come to realize and like express to each other we are friends i care about you yeah like it's a journey they go on from like employer employee to we are friends let's talk about it and here in the movie it's like friend mentor bodyguard here comes domavoy like you skip past all of this early stuff i like you but oh like i this could have been a little bit closer to the books this was the one thing that i was fussy about they yeah they like skipped all of the character development and was just like let's have the developed character and it was like well that's cool and all but now we get no character development so he's just this like cardboard cutout butler kind of thing like Mm. bodyguard thing i don't even know because you you can't develop this Mm -hmm. but yeah so so in the books uh that's butler and artemis's relationship Butler's little sister, Juliet, is training to be a butler, mm-hmm. and she's serv- She's sort of stationed at Fowl Manor to watch over Artemis's mother, and so she's just sort of this other point person there in the house who's also part of Artemis's team. Like, when he's running this whole operation, he's out there dealing with, like, the Leprechaun team, and it's, like, Juliet's job to watch over Holly, who they have imprisoned in the basement, and yeah. Juliet's real charming in the books. Like Butler's very 
uh, disciplined and he knows all of these ancient warrior moves. And Juliet's like, I love pro wrestling. And she's trying to incorporate this ancient, you know, (laughs) battle training that every butler has. But she's also like got this people's elbow. Yeah, she's got like a big flashy flair for it. She wears a lot of makeup and like jewelry and stuff. And it's a study in like how he's very streamlined and serious and practical. Like, and she's trying to live up to that family legacy while also being her own fantastic self. Yeah. Like, see, that like, that's a great character, but I like it just doesn't really fit into this first story. It does not. <laughs> At all. I so agree. I just, like, I w- the fact that they cut out Artemis's mom, but then decided to keep juliet just kind of baffles me i'm just like well technically you don't need either of them but why keep one of them if you're willing to cut the other one out like they're just strange yeah i she was not necessary and i i could very clearly see the story would get along basically the same without her just fine but yeah but there's little bits where like she's wearing the mirrored sunglasses and like grinning at holly through like the prison bars like are you a real fairy i don't fairies eat so i brought you a salad (laughs) like that's straight out of the books and that felt so warm and familiar to me that i'm like ah that bit is the juliet i know yeah in the yeah. in this movie, they also make her butler's niece instead of his kid sister, which I think does make a little bit more sense. Yeah, uh, like there's a huge age gap between the two of them in the book, and like there's a massive age gap between me and my older brother. But but it's like 13 years, and in the book, it seems like it's like 20 plus years. Like it's large enough that I. Like, it feels like there's something there. Who are your parents? What's their relationship? <laughs> like, it, like it's so big. I'm like, can we get into this? Because I have a lot of questions about this one. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, that's his kid sister. He's uh, ambiguous. And he's been serving Artemis since Artemis was born. So even if he was, like, 18, he wouldn't have been 18 at that time. when he, Oh, but he's been there for at least 30 years and then Juliet's like 16. Like there's a huge gap between them, big enough that I wished it was like discussed a little bit more. And I yeah. I, I understand that the movie's like, that's his niece. That's why she's so young. Like, okay, I'm with you on this one. Sure. Yeah, that, that, that's unfortunately kind of one of the things you get from movies based off a series of mm. novels, uh, especially one that's, maybe a little bit past its t- time um just like you you never really really know if it's going to be a hit mm. or not so you have the dilemma of like do we stick strictly t- t- to that first yeah. book there and and make sure that we you know we stay as true as we can to that book or do we try and cram as much of it into one story to show people how cool this whole series is and hope that it plays well as a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, just one singular movie in case we don't get a sequel and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I was watching this movie and recognizing how checkboxy it was. Like, 
okay, we have to fit all of this stuff in here. And it's just like, ah, here's Juliet. She's not organically here, but here she is. Like, here's Briar Cudgeon. Here's his storyline. Like, all this stuff is shoved in there. Yeah. Like, they're going down the checklist of, here's everything we really wanted from the books. Like, tick, tick, tick. I'm like, I can see what's happening, but it's, like, really kind of frantic and a little baffling. And I, this is a book that doesn't totally make sense from the perspective of being either something that fans recognize or something that an everyday person recognize. Because I was also watching it like, if you show this to just a person, I bet this would be so bewildering. I don't know if this really makes sense to anybody. Yeah, the fact they gloss over Mm. so much, I think will lose a lot of people. Just like, Mm. they're, they're not explaining any of this. Yeah, why and are there they so many characters that just movie. Yeah, they introduce characters that like are that they seem like they're go- 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 going to be important and then they j- basically just don't mention them again or they have like one scene like you just mentioned Briar Cudgeons. Uh we d- haven't talked about him at mm. all. Uh I I now Correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I remember in that like first book and in that second book too, there is kind of this like conspiracy plot going on in the fairy police of like he he is the spy, he he is the one that's trying to kind of take over and do these things as we see in this movie, he's kind of released by Opal. Mm-hmm. Uh and then it's like, okay, you're going to spy for me. And then he has, like, the one scene at the end where he, like, tries to do a coup. And then they're just like, yeah, we're not going to listen to you. And then they don't. And then they <laughs> move on. Um, and, like, it just, like, it's so, like, I, I remember that being a bigger deal. Like, more stuff about the, co- co- the cops and the fairy police and stuff like that. And what was really g- 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 going on with them mm-hmm. is, is is that the case yeah briar cudgeon is the second in command i think or like somebody okay. like approximately on roots level who and they've always been like professional rivals and root is doing <clears throat> everything he can to get holly back because she's one of his team and he's bending rules a little bit and he's like look if we have to send in the gold to get her out i'm going to do it you know, if I have to get Mulch out of jail to send him in there to try and help us, I'm going to do it. Briar Cudgeon represents like the the voices of the council who are like, you know, don't get him out of prison. We're not giving away any gold. If we lose an officer, it's tough, but we lose an officer. So that's the perspective he has. Gotcha. It's not any larger conspiracy. It's just like all this. There's so much fairy police bureaucracy in the books that I yeah. I, I understand it, that they're like, let's not put this in a kid's movie. The kids don't care, but I missed it. So Briar, he does have his own coup because he's like, I want your job. And I think I can talk the council into being on my side to say, you're not fit to do this job anymore. You are going way against the right interests of fairies at large. This is just a one. This is a two personal of a mission for you. Like you're out and I'm in. And then he is uh, taken back down by the end of the first book. And then in the second book, he's been like fired, disgraced. And that's when he teams up with Opal Cowboy. And she's like, I think I can get you back into LEP recon and get you Root's old job like you always wanted yeah. to. 
Yeah, Opal's I another guess odd. It wasn't really a like conspiracy thing, but yeah, there is more of the like police, yeah, bureaucracy and stuff like that. So, mm. Opal's another odd thing about this movie that she like kidnaps Artemis's dad and is holding him hostage somewhere in the Arctic. And the second book is called The Arctic Incident, and it's mm-hmm. because like uh, in that storyline, after his dad's ship crashed he was like being held captive in russia by these russian mobsters who do secretly have ties to opal cowboy down in the fairy world it's a lot more complicated it didn't need to be in here but in the movies it's like okay like i know it's a nod to the books that they're in the arctic but this is not explained within the world of the film why we're just cutting away to the arctic and where we are and how this fairy got here and in the movie, Opal's like where she's got like a voice modulation thing on and she's shrouded in these dark robes and you never get a reveal on her. You never see or hear her for who she truly is, which is a weird choice that she is yeah. this shadow figure the entire time. Because typically when you see somebody who is that obscured, you're like, okay, there's a reveal coming later. We're going to get to really see this person. It was Foley the entire time. No, we don't. It's It's a really strange (laughs) choice that Opal is the same the entire way through the movie. And they don't put any kind of twist or drama on her. Like she's really just textbook antagonist shadowy villain who threatens you with a spooky voice yeah. <laughs> she doesn't have any of her characterization from the book strange yeah i i yeah i don't r- really remember much about opal but i do remember she was more involved in that second book yeah and i think there is a book that does focus more on her i think it is the like third or fourth book yeah the, the opal fourth book yeah the fourth book like is that. called the opal the fourth book is called the opal deception She's the villains in books two, four, and she's, uh, spoiler alert, the final threat that comes back in the final book. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So, I, uh, yeah. I don't know. Just some very, very odd choices. Uh, I understand them in the sense of like, hey, we have to make this into a cohesive movie and stuff like that. Like, maybe we cut out this part because the mm. children won't care about police <laughs> bureaucracy and stuff like that uh but yeah it it just it didn't seem to hold up for like Ins- a cohesive plot yeah instead of making the story narrowed down they kept the breadth of the story and just made everything shallower yeah yeah like i would have liked good, to have seen like several fewer characters and plot elements but a little bit more time spent on what we do get yeah so let's see they they beat the troll Mm. uh in the meantime the kind of time warp thing is collapsing because butler has shot it with some kind of like fairy arrow um thing so things are also chaos outside um, but they beat the fairies back. They're just like, hey, this thing is c- collapsing. We need to retreat, all of that stuff. The movie basically a- a- ends with the fairies going back d- d- down to Haven City <laughs> and Holly basically being, well, so I, we, we should m- 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 mention this. 
when they beat the troll, the troll is about to fall on Artemis, but Butler knocks him out of the way, and instead the troll, which is this gigantic beast, falls on top of on top of Butler. So he is dying. However. Holly can't use her magic because the fairies have put a magic freeze. They, they turned on the, the area. magic off, which is not anything that happens in the books. Yeah, I thought that was strange. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I do like the fact that they can they they have the technology mm. t- to block it if they mm. want to. Like that makes sense. Like we have. AMP devices we have signal jammers and stuff like that like it would make sense that if their technology is that far advanced maybe they have something that can knock out magic right um so butler is dying and holly can't save him but at the last second it comes back on uh and holly saves but butler uh so he comes back to life, and they use the Aculos to bring back uh, Artemis Fowl Sr., mm-hmm. um, who was also kind of just about to die at the same time because uh, 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 Opal was using some kind of magic spell to, like, I don't even know what it was, like, burn slash corrode slash cover him with something. I don't know. Um, but they save him at the last second, which brings him back to Foul Manor, which he then sees Holly, and he's like, hey, I knew your father. He was a great Mm. man. He was the one that entrusted me with with this this Aculos to keep it safe, all of that stuff, and so they're just like, oh, okay, that's fine. Mm -hmm. You can can keep it still. Uh, And that's kind of the end of the movie and that's where we reach back around to the start where mulch diggums has been found by the local police uh because some strange things have been happening at foul manor they arrest him and bring him out to this uh like solitary confinement thing with a bunch of cameras it's it's like me sitting here right now speaking (laughs) into this camera or, or yeah. like Melissa, who right now cannot see me because I only have one web camera. All that stuff. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah. And he's like, it's not the kid. He's like, it's not me. It's not the father. You should be worried about the kid. In fact, he should be here any minute now. And then, yeah, they, they bust him out and save Mulch. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah, I don't really know where they're going. The, <laughs> this movie, it, the pacing is odd. They, they can't do the second book because the father is back now. Right. They like, could skip ahead to the th- third book. But even then, like, I don't think we've got the setup we need for the third book. The third book is called The Eternity Cube. Uh, and yeah. Artemis has taken fairy technology that he acquired during this assault on his manor like he acquired yeah like he'd like steal their helmets and guns and stuff like that all the equipment they would leave behind and he's dismantled it and he's built this supercomputer 
and this other tech industrialist steals it from him. And he comes to the fairies like, okay, guys, I screwed up. I need your help. We have to get this technology back from him because if he figures out how it works, he can like track it back to you. And Artemis is like, I wanted to use your technology for my own gain, but I am still with you on keeping the fairy world a secret. Like I don't think I don't want anybody to find you guys. I care about you that much at least. So they have this another mission together. And at the end of the book, they're like, Artemis, we need to erase your memory of everything fairy related because you were too much of a liability to us. Yeah. Yeah. Which then in the like fourth book after that, he somehow figures it out again. And you know, all of that. (laughs) Right. Then they're like, Opal is back. The only person who can take down Opal is Artemis. Artemis. Reactivate his memories again. Man. Wild stuff. Wild yeah. stuff. <laughs> I don't the, know where the books are movie... good. The books are a lot of fun. The books are wonderful. Like the first book in particular is really strong. And subsequent books are also. It's not like it petered off at the end, and it's also not like it had a slow start and picked up later. The first book is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh I've read it god like five times throughout my oh, well. lifetime. I really yeah. appreciate it. I know these, as, as proven uh, through all this discussion, I know these books pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is almost closer to my heart than, like, a Harry Potter or anything else is. I recommend yeah. the books thoroughly. And this movie, it's uh, frantic and messy. And some of the changes I get, and some of the changes I don't get, but I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And I just go along with it. And like everything looks different and a lot of things feel different, but there's a lot of, there's enough of the emotion and spirit of it carrying through that it has still charmed me enough. Mm -hmm. I feel content. There's a lot more I would have liked out of a a movie adaptation of this, but I feel okay about it. Like there's certain bits I really liked. The scene with a mulch in the prison talking to the goblins is almost directly out of the book. I wasn't yeah. expecting to see that scene. That was kind of fun. Uh, Foul Manor looks perfect. Like every yeah. time they're in Artemis' study briefly, I'm like, oh, this is what the study should look like. Like there's little bits that are like really exact. And like Artemis and Holly's friendship plays very differently in this movie. And I, I kind of prefer how it is in the book, but there's bits here in the movie where they like reach out to each other and it still feels enough like the book that it still like gets my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, they, they have that one. I mean, they have the whole thing of like fairies have this mind control power that if they look people in yeah. the eye, they can kind of do this Jedi mind trick thing and so that's why we see all of the reflective sun glasses um but then they have this like do you trust me well i kind of need to right now yeah and then like by the end of the movie they're like so are we friends and they're just like yes and it was just the most like really you met her five minutes ago yeah, in like, the book, it is a lot more nuanced, and it takes more time. And because it takes more time, the payoff is greater. The, yeah. the book is so much payoff. Like in the, because Artemis is so shut off from everything. He's not even that close to his dad in the books the way he is in this movie. Yeah. And it's watching him slowly open up and like learn to trust people and to see them on his level. 
and to recognize what an asset friendship is. And for other characters to like look at this boy who's caused them all this trouble and still see the good in him and want to encourage that the way everybody like bonds through all of these dangerous missions. It's really rewarding. Yeah. Uh, this book, it really has like the spark notes for the movie is like the spark notes version of all of this. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Uh, do you have any kind of final remarks on Artemis Fowl, the movie? Oof. Uh, oh, I've got a lot of little things. Something, something, something that stands out. What's, what's the one or two more things that you want to just say? You, you I wish he say. was in a suit the whole time. I miss yeah. the, his constant tuxedo wardrobe from the books. I, <laughs> I, I wish he was a little bit closer to the way he is in the books, but this kid in the movie is still endearing enough. Oh, at the end of the movie, when they're flying away on that helicopter, the code on the uh, like the call numbers like painted on the outside of the helicopter are E-I-F-M-N-1. So when you look at it, it says Elfman 1. Mm. Thought that was charming. Oh, I like the font that the movie that. uses for the opening credits. That was good. Yeah. It's a good font. This is a pretty movie to look at. Is messy as the story is and like as how everything looks like slightly too glossy and you wish like you could understand it better as a real living thing and not a series of special effects cinematography wise the sets they choose production design very good looking i the one thing i would say about that is i did not like how the entire fairy city was just a hundred percent cgi Mm. Like that, that, that is, I mean, I like, I understand it. They didn't really go into the city, so they only had to have a, a couple establishing shots. And then they did, you know, all the extras and stuff on green screen and stuff like that. But it was a little bit off putting in that regard. It just, you could tell it was like, okay, this is CGI. That's fine. Yeah. I guess. But it still it still looked good, you know. I just wish we would have gotten to see more of the fairy world and oh, stuff like that. One bit from the books that I am very glad made its way into the movie is the fairy curse. Like when they're frustrated at something, they just go, Darv it. And that's like their it, fuck it or something like that. Yeah. And I and I like that that's still included in there twice. Like Captain yeah. Commander Roots got her back against the wall and she's like, Darv it. And they don't explain yeah. it. It's like just there for us uh, fans of the book. Like there, I can tell that they read the book and there is some care to include things directly from the book. And there's enough of those that I'm still like, eh, I feel okay about this. A, a nitpick that I had that I thought was ridiculous is that when the fairies show up to mm. Ar 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 Artemis Fowl and they do the like storming the beaches scene mm -hmm. no military discipline whatsoever they are not in formations at all they're just in like random clumps of things and just like mm. this is so messy and disorganized like i no wonder they lost this is terrible mm -hmm. um but yeah it's it's an interesting film 
I um, guess. I don't know. I'm happy it exists. I I want them to have I don't I have no concept of how well this has done if very many people have watched this. I would love for them to get another crack at this. I want to see them try yeah. again and like see what they can do next time. I was telling my friend that I was watching this with that I kind of hope this does just well enough that we get more quietly in the background like how there's netflix original shows that like you just know by name and you think one of your friends might watch them and then you look at it and you're like this thing is four seasons i want it to be that i want it to just be a thing that quietly slowly runs in the background and we get like one or two more of these things just direct to the streaming platform my harshest critique Mm. of this is and i guess less of a critique mm-hmm. but more of it it's like this thing is i think at best this is a like overly produced disney channel original movie yeah so i can see since it did go straight to disney plus i can see them doing another one mm-hmm. um but yeah it hasn't done very good I, I don't know about watch numbers and how many people have watched it but looking at rotten tomatoes it is sitting at a 10 percent right 10. now with an audience score of 21 percent it's uh, that still feels too low to me like this is well, so uh, i would thing. call this like, um you kind of mentioned it yeah. too that we are fans of the book. yeah we know more about that stuff which I also kind of said the books kind of had their time. Like they're not mm-hmm. really in the mainstream right no. now. It was when we were younger, 10 years ago, 15 years yeah. ago. Right. Um, so I think people coming to this new are going to be like, I have no idea what yeah. is happening or why it's happening. Like we, we have that extra bit of information of of just like okay i can see what they were going for they almost did did it so it's not as bad as some people are saying but it's still not great you know but that's that yeah i think it's still worth watching and worth watching enough that i want to see another attempt at this and how this thing could be fine-tuned Last thing I want to say is that one of the screenwriters for this uh, is Hamish McColl, uh, who we recently did a film of his on the review show, one of the uh, other podcasts that we do here at The Whatnots. He was one of the screenwriters for Paddington. Oh, huh. Paddington is much better than this movie. Oh, yeah. Mil- uh, miles ahead, light years ahead, fairy technology yeah. uh, uh, ahead mm. of of this one. And fun fact, he was also a photographer on the 1998 Parent Trap. Oh, that's a good movie. There you go. People don't talk about how good of a movie The Parent Trap was. Uh, he was also the screenwriter on Mr. Bean's Holiday and Johnny English Reborn. There you go. Uh, the other screenwriter was Connor McPherson, but I don't mm. know. I'm not familiar with a- 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 anything he's done. He did the e- the Eclipse. Uh, what's Endgame? That's not Avengers Endgame. 
no consensus yet? What is this? I don't know. Oh well. But yeah. That was the last thing that I wanted to mention. All that mm. stuff. It's like, this guy is from Paddington. Kind of, I feel like it should have been better than this if he worked I, on Paddington, because Paddington was so good. I am very curious about the backstory of this film. It being a property that was acquired by another studio 20 years ago. How many hands yeah. has this gone through? What were previous sure versions so of the scripts? Yeah. Yeah. Wild stuff. Mm. Uh, well, let's see. Again, I'm not sure what will be next here on this podcast. Movies keep g- 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 getting pushed back and p- mm-hmm. pushed back. Uh, I would like to do one on Tenant, potentially, but I don't know if I really want to go out to a theater mm-hmm. to go see that. Yeah. Um, but we will see. Maybe, maybe Wonder Woman this fall? Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll figure something out. Um, because again, we'll have to do something to make this not as sporadic as mm-hmm. it has been recently. But uh, don't forget that up on Patreon we have an exclusive episode of the Reactor Core. Uh, with some more coming down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were t- talking about movie trailers from the '90s. Uh, it's gonna be a part of a series. Uh, we have movie tra- tra- trailers from the 2000s coming up next uh, and movie trailers from the 2010s, mm. uh, which we still have to record and do all of that stuff. So be on the lookout for that. You guys can get that at our $3 tier on Patre- Patreon. Go like, share, subscribe, do all of that stuff. Uh, we are sitting at 73 subscribers on YouTube. So if you guys could subscribe to us on youtube that would be fantastic and help us mm-hmm. get to 100 that would be amazing um yeah there we go i think that's all of the stuff so melissa where can the people find you on the internet i'm on the internet uh at wilkywit w-i-l-k-i w-i-l-k-y-w-i-t did i spell that right it's on screen, so it if, is. if you didn't spell it right, it's on there now. <laughs> I say it the same way every time, and I took a Real slightly cute. different run at it, and it threw me completely off of my feet. Uh, <laughs> while I'm there, that's my handle you, uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. Come talk to me about these books if you have read them. Yeah. I love Indeed. them. <laughs> Indeed. You guys can find me at Yo Kyle Springer on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you guys want to stay up to date with all of our podcasts, we are at the Whatnots on Twitter. Uh, but that about wraps us up for episode 19 mm-hmm. of the Whatnots Reactor Core. Uh, so I guess with that, we will see you guys next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>